Hello and welcome to the Race FF podcast. I am your host, Jaime Garcia. And today, guys, I have someone from a region that I've been wanting to get to know more about. Uh, this person is a Southeast H1 regional champion uh, from 2015, 2016, 17, 18, and has, uh, I believe, uh, finished in fifth place uh, at VIR Champs in 2015. Um, so many um, accolades to this person. One of the people that have, uh, I, I've been told, is a good representative of uh, the Southeast region. And, you know, I, I really want to learn more about them. And I, I think it's an area that I, I just haven't gotten in, any information on yet and i'm really excited to have this person on um now to talk about the southeast region and of course i'm talking about stephen d pierce so thank you for coming on sir yeah thanks for having me so i mean i know very little <laughs> about the southeast region so i think um in terms of uh just setting setting the stage what tracks uh, inc are encompassed by the uh, Southeast region? Yeah, so we, we primarily run at Carolina Motorsports Park in South Carolina, uh, Road Atlanta, Roebling Road down near Savannah, Georgia. Um, we started to branch out. Last year, we added Rockingham, the old NASCAR track uh, where Days of Thunder was filmed. Nice. Uh, we the rotation uh, and we tend to do a decent amount of crossover events um, with mid-atlantic running in vir um, we've done some in florida uh, at sebring at daytona um, we haven't done one recently but we used to do crossover events pretty frequently with mid-south um, at barber as well so we tend to go um, all over the place and I think that's really because we're we're pretty centrally located on the East Coast. You know, so Watkins Glen, as an example, is 12 hours north of me. Sebring is 12 hours south. So, you know, you're, you're really thinking about you can go all the way up and down the coast uh, 12 hours in either direction. That's something, you know, you really can tow in a day uh, if you've got your act together. Hmm. Interesting. So... In terms of those tracks, which one would you consider to be your home track? Um, I kind of think um, probably VIR. Um, I don't run at VIR nearly as much as I used to, um, but VIR is two hours north of me. Um, so it, it is uh, an amazing facility. If you haven't been there, it's certainly it certainly should be on your bucket list. You know, I, I put it on par with Watkins Glen uh, and a couple other really, really big name tracks, but it's just a, an amazing facility. You know, some of the sets of corners like the uphill S's and, and South Bend, just the, you know, the blind left at the top of the S's. Um, they're just, you know, those sequences of corners, you just, you don't find that, you know, 
the corners, the elevation, you know, the sight lines, you don't find those types of uh, tracks really anymore. And so I would say probably VIR, but again, I, I, I probably have the most gain from my own driving resume. I probably have the most days there, but they were also really early on uh, and, and mostly in my DE days, not so much racing. That's really cool. And yeah, I think um, VIR as when whenever you see videos of it, it's an iconic track. It's a consistent IMSA track. So you see a lot of the big prototype cars and the Cadillac team going out there. And it's always really cool to see uh, a track like that. And I mean, I'm from SoCal, so all of our tracks are, um, you know, dirt on the side. We don't have grass or greenery. So every time I see uh, those tracks out there on the East Coast, I'm like, Man, what kind of sprinkler system do you guys have to keep that grass growing? <laughs> the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, one of the things that kind of stands out to me from uh, the southeast, and it feels like in certain gen- like certain general um, regions, there's kind of a car that everybody... Um, like sticks to or a platform that I guess has been like figured out by more people than that are running and they tend to run that one and it's usually you know golden age Honda with the type R swap for H2 um but in your region you guys seem to have a lot of S2000s and I think with the exception of like Jason Scarborough and I think it's Michael Kramer um, yeah. it's pretty much all less two thousands, and that's really interesting. Why? Why do you think you guys have so many S two thousands in your region? And I think it probably comes down to just the paddock and everything that's not racing related. You know, so a lot of people will bring the S two thousand out, you know, and they'll run DE one. Um, what they very quickly find out is we start hounding everybody that runs a Honda or Acura in DE1 and ask them <laughs> how to race. Um, <laughs> my, my second event ever was at Carolina Motorsports Park. Mm-hmm. I'm in DE1 at this point. Uh, you know, I've got an instructor. It's the first time I've been at that track the second time it's my second event ever um and some of the guys that still run on the challenge were at that event and they were racing and they came and found me in the paddock you know not just to give me a hard time and mm-hmm. uh you know ask me when i was gonna put a cage in the car you know at that point i was still driving uh downtown charlotte to work uh, <laughs> You know, but they they sought me out, and that that's just kind of one of the things that we do. And um, you know, we we try and and be inclusive with mm-hmm. folks. I don't think we really hassle the the D one to folks nearly as much. <laughs> not, not to your level. No, but certainly D <laughs> uh, three and four, and absolutely the folks that are running time trials. Mm-hmm. You know them out we talk to them 
we see what they're doing, we see where their heads are at, we you know, try and get them to come out. And so, you know, at our last event uh, a couple weeks ago, um, we actually had um, one Highland Challenge guy in, in comp school and he blew up his diff um, in the first session on Friday. Um, that would have made it nine in H1. Eight of those. Damn. Um, but yeah, we do have other cars. I mean, there's other folks that run in H1 um, in non S2000 cars. Shane Lovely's one of them. He's got a, a four door Civic. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, the H2 guys. Mm hmm. It really just depends. A lot of those guys are running ballast or to make weight for H2, but if mm-hmm. the H2 uh, field is pretty small and they still want to come out, you know, they can they can pull all the ballast and put the Sunday tunes in and, and tend to, to hang. So, you know, we mm-hmm. tend to see a little bit of crossover, but... I think it's probably just all of the non-racing activity where we're going out and we're talking to people and we're trying to make them feel included and we're, we're, we're hassling them uh, <laughs> and run kind of challenge, not just, not just run wheel to wheel, but Han challenge specifically maybe as opposed to running ST5 or something like that. During four. Yeah. Deals. Yeah. So, um, I'll be honest, like, I, I kind of have, like, a decent understanding of, like, what a H2 Honda Challenge uh, front-wheel drive car is, but in terms of, like, an S2000, like, what do you guys have to do in terms of performance uh, to get it ready for um, H2? Because I feel like that's that's a car that has um, kind of, like, very little things that you can do aside from like your typical coilovers and big brake kit and whatnot. But what, what do you guys uh, normally do to get a car from like, let's say a DE level to, um, you know, competitive um, in Honda challenge, obviously the safety stuff, it goes without saying, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we've got a lot of, a lot of people that kind of run the gamut. Um, you know, I've I've got a bone stock motor. Um, you know, it's got an intake and a full exhaust and a standalone. Um, you know, but it's not built. In fact, the most that thing's ever been torn down is, you know, I had the valve cover off a couple of times to do a valve adjustment. And at Watkins Glen Champs in 2016, um, we pulled the throttle bodies to make sure that those weren't um, bored out more than they were supposed to but it's just you know that honda reliability just can't can't be beat we do have um you know as guys maybe blow the motors in their 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 cars um they tend to put something a little bit better back in it you know so mine's an 05 it's the f22 the 2.2 liter um it's got twenty five thousand track miles on it uh, it's an eight. Wow. Um, I bought it as a streetcar. Um, you know, I, I kind of ruined it. It was, it was really the unicorn being an 11 VIN, uh, at 2000 cause it had a, a factory 
uh, hardtop. Oh, damn. Which is actually, unfortunately, still on the car. Um, so I ruined mine. Um, <laughs> but that was before the S2000 prices, you know, kind of went crazy. Back. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, we've got guys that, um, you know, put back in a built F22. You know, so they're doing things like my head work and bump the compression to like 12 and a half to one. Uh, we've got a guy with a three. The guy that blew up his diff in comp school has a F24 with some mild head work. Um, you know, so I, I think what's really interesting is, at least from my perspective, you don't have to have the most powerful car. Um, you know, in fact, my my car doesn't actually even hit the H2 power cap for the S2000. Uh, oh, wow. ha- so how much do you make? Um, well, you might be able to appreciate this. So the last time the car was on the dyno mm-hmm. was an updated client's form for uh, championships in 2017. Uh, Damn. And it... At the time, it made 212 wheel, 150 torque. Jesus. Sorry about that. To go for kind of all out uh, crazy chip, I asked them to dial it back a tiny bit because I don't. I, I don't want to rebuild motors, you know, I don't, especially not the F motors, especially not now, but yeah, because um, they're so rare to get nowadays. So yeah, that's, yeah. they, they're, they're rare to get. They're super expensive. You know, mine still makes decent, you know, still has decent compression, decent down. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't actually know because it hasn't been on the dyno and I'm, no, I can picture a couple of people that are probably going to listen to this podcast, and they're just—I can picture them shaking their heads at me, um, you know, because I'm not one of these people that like <laughs> are. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I do my own alignments and stuff like that, and you know, I—I I don't. I'm not one of these people that changes the alignment for every track, you know. Oh wow. I, that I choose and I'll run it, you know, uh, I actually ran one for probably two years <laughs> without even checking it. And cause but the car was still fast and, you know, I got scales and strings and all, all the fancy stuff and checked it all. And it was exactly where I had put it two years prior, or I guess paid somebody to put it two years prior. Um, I'm, I'm definitely one of these people that doesn't, I don't want to do work which is probably one of the reasons why i ended up in auto challenge um i don't even really like changing brake pads at the track so you know i'll put some gas in it maybe top up the oil and then i um but yeah i mean so from an engine perspective mine is not the fastest car Mm -hmm. uh not by far i mean there's other guys in class with you know 30 40 wheel horsepower on me oh wow that's huge on the spec class and and so you know but again i don't think anybody's actually ever i'm not aware of it at least anybody ever building 
on S2000 to the limit of the H1 rules. Mm. Uh, I mean, not only would it be endlessly expensive, mm -hmm. but what that means is then, you know, all we've done is increase the barrier to entry yeah. for joining. Because yeah. now they think, that, oh, you know, build this exotic F24, you know, with 12 and a half compression, and they got to spend 5,500 bucks on a four piston head and, you know, all this crazy, you know, you're, you're 12 or $15,000 into the motor at that point, And nobody's really interested in that. So, you know, as long as, as long as I can keep the stock one running mm -hmm. and makes okay power and I still am at the pointy end of the field, you know, I'm okay with that. I've, I've gotten, you know, my fill of regional championships and a national championship and, you know, at this point, I'm more, I'm more interested in having good races. Mm -hmm. You know, people that are fun to hang out with and helping people, you know, get their feet wet with wheel to wheel. Um, helping people in the paddock, you know, really trying to grow the class and have some good battles. You know, like I said, I, I don't need to be the one, you know. 20 seconds out in front turning parade laps. Mm -hmm. That's not fun. And so really looking at, you know, how, again, how do I balance, um, you know, money or same amount of money or same amount of fun, less, right. Somewhere in that spectrum. And so for me, you know, that motor is going to go someday. Um, it, it's a matter of time spending an F-22 to 8,400 RPM that's bone stock. Yeah. Um, and so I'll, I'll figure out what to do when the day comes. But at this point, you know, we really just try and get people out, try and get people having fun, and, and people build the cars over time. I mean, yeah, you, you could absolutely build a $60,000 H1 car. Oh, yeah. Eighty one car. And then what are you going to do? You're going to run by yourself. Yeah, I mean, the whole running with other people is really what I think is the key to um, not only maintaining a class, but just uh, maintaining uh, the racers as well. Because, you, you know, it's fun to win, but I, I feel like the battles are really where it's at in terms of maintaining and keeping longevity in a race series and that's something that i think you and i are both uh kind of in line with to try and um make sure we have people that still come to these events and still want to do uh this uh expensive hobby so um i'm noticing that you're talking a lot about hc1 so are all the cars that are racing in a uh, Honda Challenge 1, or are you guys in H2? Um, most of us are in H1 in the southeast, which is, um, you know, different, I think, than all the other regions. Yeah. Um, you know, when I, when I was coming up through the DE ranks in, you know, I started in 2013 and started instructing in 2014, and... I got my comp license in 2015. I went out for H1, um, both because of some of the the mods I had done to the car already. Mm -hmm. You know, I would 
basically have to take those off and, and take the loss on those upgrades. Uh, but at the time, you know, we had more H1 cars than H2. You know, we were we were seeing six or seven cars in every tent okay. in H1. We were seeing probably three to five in H2. Um, I think we've probably still got a similar mix. Um, you know, m- most of our S2000s go out for H1. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a larger H1 class mm-hmm. in South. But it's, you know, again, it's, it's interesting because Southeast... One is kind of a place to be in mid-Atlantic, which, again, it, you know, they run two, three hours north of me. Um, they're mostly H2. And so even, even just across the regions, um, there's not that much overlap. I know some guys are starting to build cars for H1 in mid-Atlantic, like Bradfield's building building that monster uh that you know i keep looking at all the stuff he's doing <laughs> yeah parts and you know again I, i'm a guy that, that puts gas in oil uh i'm not i don't have the time uh, or really even the drive right the, the motivation mm-hmm. the 3d parts uh, oh yeah so that certain- 3d printed intake that that thing is pretty cool yeah i mean it's certainly i i I like watching other people do stuff like that. Same. I don't want to do it. If I, yeah, same. I way, and you know, if if I win Powerball or whatever, I will be that arrive and drive guy. Like, hundred percent. That that will be me. I'll still have you know the same amount of fun, and Mm -hmm. I'll still hang. But I I don't like wrenching. I don't even like wrenching on my own car. much much of the same for me like um i ended up having to work on a lot of stuff for my car but that's mainly because i'm cheap and not a lot of people want to work on d-series cars so um i I have to struggle with that i mean i'm I'm currently in the struggle bus with my transmission because i'm waiting for two um well one ultra rare part that i broke when i was uh disassembling the thing and trying to put a final drive in an LSD in there. So, yeah, like, it, it's it's not fun. I wish I could pay someone to do it. But, um, you know, the people that I want to do it for me don't want to do it. And the, the kind of people that may want to do it, I'm not sure if I want them to do it, you know? Right. Yeah, there's – I used to do all my own work, right? Like YouTube mechanic, 100% all the way. Uh, you know, and it, and we had a kid, and I changed role at work, and now I'm way, way busier at work. And so I just, you know, I don't have time to do a lot of this stuff. And they're really the the number of people that I trust to work on the car is a very, very short list. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a guy locally here. Um, he runs time trials and I'm going to put him on the spot again in our, our, you know, continuing the theme of harassing people until (laughs) Jacob Cushing, if you're out there listening, Uh um, Jacob getting called out, go ahead and, uh, build that car. Come to comp school with us. Um, you know, but he's, he's got a shop 
Uh, and I trust him, right? Cause he runs time trials today. He knows what these cars get put through. He knows the platform, Yeah, you know, and I had, um, about 78,000 miles on the car again, probably 25, which track miles. And I was on the original clutch. Oh, wow. What I don't want to do is try and bench press transmission on jack stands in my oh, garage. Yeah. No one um, wants to do that. And, you know, so that was, you know, I, I certainly, um, did that particular upgrade with the visa, uh, AJ, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's not a fun job on the S 2000 to begin with. Mm-hmm. I remember at champs 2015, John Olt was there and, uh, Kevin Helms was there running his civic hatch mm-hmm. and, Kevin was, you know, he wanted, he had, you know, Kevin, he, he runs um, a shop here locally and they now have a couple of locations. And, you know, he was going to do a motor swap on either like the Friday night or the Saturday night. Yeah. Donald, you know, and so it's like Kevin in the paddock right next to John. And there's like three or four people over on Kevin's side. There's like 10 over helping John all and Kevin swapped the whole motor in his car, you know, from putting it up on stand on running back on the ground where we got John all's transmission. Like I have no interest in six hours of just Right. And that's assuming I put the thing back together correctly, which I'm pretty decent with mechanical stuff. Like I don't tend to end up with a bunch of extra bolts. <laughs> electrical whole other thing but you know i i trust jake to do good work the cars knows how hard we run on and he knows that i'm gonna call him out on a podcast and say january comp school rolling road um, i'll be there and i hope he is too awesome i i love that of uh calling people out for coming out to the racetrack that's uh that's a big uh, win for me, uh, trying to get a little bit more controversy uh, on there. So, in terms of um, like, there, there's just so much stuff going on in Honda Challenge, and in terms of um, now that you guys are gonna have uh, a nationals um, over in the East Coast, are, are you planning to go? We'll see. Um, I, I, again, in earlier years, my, my younger self that much more, you know, full, full of vigor and stupidity. Um, I was the first sign up for all that stuff. Right. I mean, I, I signed up for champs 2015 at VIR before I had enough races to qualify for entry. Uh, okay. But, you know, I, I skipped 2018, 2019. I couldn't just, I really wanted to go to Coda, but it would have been three days each way. Yeah. You know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because if you're going to go all that way, you got to run the Thursday. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't justify it. And then we had something, I don't even remember what it was, but we had something going on here and I couldn't go to mid Ohio. Mm-hmm. 2020, you know, we had a kid, we had a newborn. 
Congratulations. So, yeah. Um, that's a, that is a curveball if, if you've ever seen one. Um, and so I didn't run at all in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and 2021, I kind of started coming back. I still don't know if I'll run the full season again. There's just so much other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly like to. I've never been to pit race. Uh, and I try and add a new track every year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just, at this point, it's kind of, you know, magic eight ball uh, would say it's it's too early to tell. Hmm. I see. Do you know if there's anyone in your region that's actually thinking about going to pit race um, now that uh, they've announced when it's going to be? Um, my guess is, yeah. Um, we got a lot, you know, it's six hours from us. Mm-hmm. It looks like fun track. A lot of us have not been there before, you know, so that also means we got to go twice. Would probably go up at one of the earlier events, you know, get a little bit of seat time, see how, how the cars do kind of get an idea on pace. But yeah, I, I, I expect we'll have, we'll have a decent contingent from, the southeast heading up that way hmm. awesome well i'm planning to go out there for that event and i'm really excited to see the mid-atlantic and the um the northeast people um finally in person um so i'm stoked about that and knowing that there's people from the southeast or another region that are you know fairly local to it um I'm just excited to see so many Hondas race, and I feel like next year is going to have a really big Honda Challenge group, and I'm really excited to see that because this past Nationals, I was excited to see how many people from Texas came up, and, um, you know, of course, the national champion, uh, Jonathan Baker, um, coming all the way from uh, your guys' neck of the woods. Um, Yeah. You know, all of those things combined, it's really exciting. But now to see you guys, like, kind of at your home court, um, not necessarily because, obviously, you've mentioned you've never driven there, but, like, you know, closer than one of these uh, West Coast events, um, I I think it's going to be exciting to see you guys really turn up. Yeah, I mean, and if nothing else, we'll we'll see another meme war. We'll see if... uh you know, mid-Atlantic versus Northeast versus Texas. Maybe we'll get some SoCal in that, in that as well. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll see. I mean, again, I, I think it'll be, I think it'll be well attended. Um, H2, mm-hmm. they get crazy. Um, yeah. All the H2 cars in mid-Atlantic and in Northeast, I'm sure they'll all go. Yeah. We'll um, um, Jason, if you're listening, uh, Michael Kramer, if you're listening, I expect both of you guys to go. Um, wait, wait, wait. If we're calling people out, let, let me get a let me get a good. Uh, we got Michael Kramer. We got who else? Jason Scarber. Oh, J- oh, he's a past guest. He definitely has to go. Oh, you know he ha- he has to go for many many reasons. <laughs> he, he, um, I, I would say he even owes me one. Oh, wow. There we go. Yeah, um, yeah. That's a funny story uh, about bad decisions and rap 
cars and I'll never do that again because it is much easier than it looks like on YouTube. Um, <laughs> you know, but I, I blame him for that. Um, he's, he was awesome throughout, you know, helping, uh, you know, with delivery and the design and some of the files, but you know, he did not, uh, he did not remind me that his livery, while it looks amazing, is based on the factory, you know, the factory paint, and he's got some stuff on top, you know, the livery elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, uh, he did not talk me out of wrapping the entire car to change the color <laughs> on top. And I feel like, in retrospect, he maybe should have done that. So he needs to go. Um, I'll probably throw down a little bit of a challenge to him next time I see him. Um, maybe, maybe I'll make a bet because they like to, they like to make bets on on me and and lap records. Maybe I'll make a bet between who I think is going to win between Jason and and, and Kramer. We'll hmm. see. Oh, so you think uh, Jason or Kramer might be um, somebody that the Mid-Atlantic and uh, Northeast uh, people uh, should be really worried about? There's certainly folks to watch. Um, Mm. They they missed an event earlier this year um, at Roebling. And, you know, it was... It was basically, I had the track record, and there's a new guy that's been running time trials for a long time. He's super quick. Um, and there was, there was money that changed hands. Oh, boy. I love this already. Who was going to walk away with the track record, and I could not attend. I think that was the September event. Mm-hmm. Couldn't. Um, cause I had COVID for the second time in eight weeks. Oh, bro, dude, I just am getting over it and I'm still coughing up phlegm. So well, I was like, what I don't understand is like, I was hide and seek world champ for like two and a half years. Dude, same, same. Um, so I couldn't go. And obviously with a rave, I lost the track record and I'm a little bitter. And so we're, we're going in January um, you know, we don't really have an off season in mm-hmm. the Southeast. Um, our final event of the year is Road Atlanta. It's the first weekend in December. And then our first event in the following season is the third weekend in January. And so our, our off season is really more um, July and August, where it's the South and it's too damn hot. So... Okay, so you guys have like kind of what we do in SoCal. We have a summer break and we don't have a winter break like the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic does. But what usually happens is we don't want to go without that long. And so we go up north to another region. You know, we might go to the Great Lakes region and go run in Ohio or something like that in mm-hmm. the summer. And so we really don't have any any downtime, but... Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll have to see. Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting. I suspect there'll be more more money changing hands. I I mean I I feel like this is uh, this is almost like one of those bets that you guys have to do like a shoey for, um, you know. It could be. 
Oh, Instagram. I would, I would, you know, I'd get it on Instagram, but well, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll do this and I'll, and I'll, and I'll go ahead and compromise myself a little bit. If you guys bet a shoey, I will uh, post it live on the Instagram and put it on the stories, make it a major post. So yeah, if you guys win, uh, go ahead and do a shoey. Um, I'll record it for you guys. I don't know what any of those words are, but <laughs> it might have to happen. Good. So uh, officially being called out, Mr. Kramer and Jason Scarborough. I'm always down to call those guys out. <laughs> I love it. That's so dope. So um, in terms of uh, your car um, build and setup, um, you really wrenched on it um, all yourself, right? So yep. up until now, it's all been, you know, your hands uh, turning every single wrench. So how many times have people that don't know um, about racing tried to get you to do work for their cars? Because <laughs> that's um, happened that, to me a lot. Because um, I have to do all the work on her car. Um, on who? Sorry? I, I think I cut you off. My wife's car. Oh, is it a Honda at least? No, it's not. Oh no, she's got a Yukon, and the last, you know, it's like oil changes and like pads and rotor brake fluid. You know, like I don't even change the oil in my truck. Uh, <laughs> I've got a, and again, this is like the bad thing about getting into this particular hobby. You know, I mm-hmm. I got into it. God, this, this sounds horrible. I got into it on a bet. With a different buddy. Oh, so, uh, you sound like a betting man, so I, I like this. I like this already. Well, it, it, it's competition. Uh, yeah. um, I'm a little bit competitive. Um, and so it, I drove the car to and from events for maybe the first four events. And I, you know, I remember driving back from Road Atlanta, which is about a three-and-a-half-hour drive um, for me. Mm-hmm. You know, at night in the S2000, it now had, you know, no interior <laughs> racing seats, six-point harnesses. Now, again, this was still the car that I was driving to work downtown Charlotte, um, you know, but driving back at night, you know, and I had an exhaust on the car and, you know, it droned at the exact <laughs> that traffic was moving. You know, and it was kind of, you know, the, the, where the intersection of this car is far too annoying to drive for this. And I probably need a trailer, but I ended up truck, right? So I went from, went from, I bought the car in June or July, probably July of 2013. Mm-hmm. And, I signed up for uh, a DE through a company called an organization called Track Days at VIR, mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, I signed up and then found out uh, through their wonderful information packet that I needed a four-point roll bar, and oh. so I hard dog 
is about an hour from me. Oh, nice. So I drove to Hard Dog in my wife's car, uh, picked up a roll bar. And so within 30 days of buying it, I had like half the interior out to put a roll bar in it. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, but so like four events go by. So how and- old was it when you took the interior out? Um, it's a 2005. I bought it in again, probably July of 2013, and I was okay. on track. Okay, so it wasn't like uh, two two years old, and then uh, you started. No. Yeah. no, but like a very nice, complete mm-hmm. stock 11 VIN car, which is kind of a unicorn these days. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at it right now, the little small picture of it, and it, I mean, I love the color of it and the fact that you have the OEM hardtop on it. It looks pretty dope. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 some it's one of the cars that I always wanted. You know, in high school, like I drooled over the Honda the Honda brochure for um, you know that particular model year. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was I could afford, and then you know I kind of grew up and went to college and got, you know, a series of real jobs after real jobs. And mm-hmm. I had a, a BMW 335 um, at the time, which was a super, super fun car, totally unreliable. <laughs> like all wheel bolt cars are. Yeah. Well, I mean, car was, this car was certified to be owned, which was, you know, amazing in retrospect but it's it lived at the dealership um more than at my house for the last three months that i owned it uh-huh. and so getting in i you know buddy and i had been talking about this and you know it was kind of a well i'll get a car if you get a car i was like well mm-hmm. i'll get a car if you or and um there was alcohol involved and <laughs> you know i was planning on getting rid of the bmw as soon as as soon as they gave it back to me, they, <laughs> um, and I bought an S2000. Smart move. Yeah. This went from like my first track day, you know, which I needed to tear half the interior out to put a roll bar in, um, to doing a, you know, four events over the span of maybe three months and saying, all right, well, now I need to buy a truck and a trailer. And, you know, hey, I'm going to justify it because I'm going to sleep in it and save on hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is your tow vehicle? Um, I bought a 2011 F250 diesel. Oh, man, that's so good. An F250 diesel? That's nice. So this, this was, um, you know, and I... I wanted a dually, but I, again, I was driving downtown Charlotte and I parked in a parking deck at work and the dually just wasn't going to, wasn't going to cut it. Um, I ended up having to change hours at work and like, you know, I work a traditional kind of like nine to five in a bank, um, but we've got like flexibility Want to mm-hmm. come in and out and leave an hour early. That's totally fine. And so I ended up having to do that my parking deck only had probably two or three spots legitimately fit. Oh, snap. To fit in those spots. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just it just escalated um, really fast. Like the snowball effect. Is cool. um, 
but yeah, I mean that that's the thing, you know, with with the hunt. I mean, it's just it's so reliable that mm-hmm. you know I don't do anything with it. You know, when people ask me like, "Well, I, oh, you're you're you drive on track? Why don't you get a real car like a Corvette?" I'm like, <laughs> like the brakes are more expensive, the tires are more expensive. You go through more gas and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And, you know, um, a while back I had uh, one of the more um, well-known Honda Challenge engine builders and just engine builders um, for Honda Challenge, at at least, and for Hondas in general, for drag racing as well, um, Joe Alanis. And it was interesting. We were were talking, and he was trying to explain to me or, like, really drilling into my head, like, how – amazing of a job honda did with uh with the uh s2000 engine and one of the things he uh pointed out to me was that he had a built uh ford coyote engine something like one of the newer ones or whatnot come in and he flow tested them and he said he compared it to a stock s2000 in terms of how they flowed and he said that the differences between this fully built ported and polished um ford coyote engine and the s2000 were so minimal that it was it wasn't even worth uh, like considering them um like like it's well within the degrees of freedom uh, of the measurement and that's just like telling you how good of a job honda did with that engine well, and that's that's the interesting thing too. From the one perspective, you know, nobody can get their cars to work, right? So I'm I'm roughly 150 pounds, 170 pounds over minimum weight, mm-hmm. um, and you know the the flip side of that is like, well, add more power. Well, you kind of can't. Yeah, right? from the factory, they're just like. Yo, man, right. like, this is good. Like, it's done. I I swapped out the stock intake for, you know, like a four-inch full carbon fiber, like a big old uh, filter element. Mm-hmm. Swapped out the exhaust, so, you know, the manifold. Um, I swapped that out for a Jay's Racing header, and a, it's a three-inch single. Mm-hmm basically is a straight pipe mm-hmm. it, it ha- technically it has a muffler um but you can see straight through it um, <laughs> and it's very very loud you know and when i put the header on i gained one horsepower one one horse- like, and was that peak or was that all around that was peak um thousand dollars I bought a used because I'm like the king of buying stuff. Um, I bought a used Jay's Racing header, thousand bucks. Take it, you know, go, go install it, go take it to my tuner, and you know, say, All right, I need to update the tune because I'm not high flowing exhaust. And the guy comes back and he's like, Yeah, no. And, and this isn't, you know, this isn't some like fly by night. Mm-hmm. Out, I had to tune my car, did a bunch of stuff, 
Um, that is the benefit of living in, you know, like NASCAR country and race car country. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Stuart, I, I can literally from my house walk to Stuart Haas racing. Oh, wow. Uh, to Haas F1 North America from my house. Um, it would be much quicker if I rode a bike, but, you know, probably mile and a half from there. Wow. Well, the guy who tuned my car came recommended from another uh, S2000 buddy who had LS swapped his. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did a bunch of tuning for uh, Pirelli World Challenge and IMSA cars. Okay. And at one point, you know, I went to go pick up my car and they wouldn't let me in the building. They almost didn't let me pick up my car um, because he was doing um, the tune on the, the, I guess it's the Hoonicorn 2.0. Oh, okay. The Hoonicorn with like the twin turbo sticking mm-hmm. about the hood. The guy that tuned my car was doing all of the anti-lag, like the rolling anti-lag sequential shift kind of whatever stuff. And they didn't, it was before it was public. And say, so they didn't want to let me in the building to even get my to pick up my car. They were <laughs> oh shit. So like, the, long story short, right? Is the guy knows what he's doing, right? The, yeah. The, the unicorn that you can you have that kind of money, you can literally get anybody in the world to tune the car. And, you, and if you're this, choosing this person, is because there's like, and I mean, I yeah, credit him a bit with the fact that the car still makes decent power and mm-hmm. still is in, although I should probably knock on some wood and motor <laughs> right um, you know but it's just it's just one of those things that again you know the car was getting was getting to the point where it was not okay to drive on the track or on the street and mm-hmm. I needed the tow vehicle and the trailer and it's you know I my my wife um I think she's understanding, but she has a more expensive hobby than me. She has horses. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, we're, we're in a different tax bracket at that point. Horses are something, de- something else. They're in the front yard, so that with the cost. But, um, you know, that's just it's just one of those things that, um, you know, the car, it, it just completely and totally out of control and probably is only oh i'd say it's now in control but i'm probably lying um (laughs) different buddy um he blames me for getting into this and i i disavow all responsibility for it (laughs) how how bad of an idea it is um, you know, at least for, for your, your bank account to do this. Mm-hmm. And he got into Specky 30. Oh, okay. Uh, and so, you know, he and I were sitting around probably alcohol was involved. As well. <laughs> like all the best stories are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was, you know, we should build an endurance car. And so now Oh, and yeah. that's where the the dirty thirty for endurance racing uh, that you this, you told this me is about. The dirty, and 
you know, this, I hate this car, but it's so much fun. It's, <laughs> um, you know, but it, it's a, it's a fully built Specky 30. Like we put the Toyos on it and go run it Specky 30 uh, at a national event and it would pass any type of, of impound. Uh, it is legit. Okay. And we who did, do you race that with? Um, this is a buddy of mine, Jay Patrick. Okay. Um, so I I actually met him through work many. Oh many, wow! And he came out to the track one to see what this was all about. Decided uh, to kind of get into it, but he always had a soft spot for the E30s, and so he went out with. But when it came time to you know, have this discussion about like, Hey, we should build an endurance car and go endurance racing. Cause I had done it a couple of times, you know, buying a seat in somebody else's car. And I thought it was a lot of fun. And so he basically said, I'll do it, but we've got to do an E30 cause that's the platform that I know. And since all of my Honda knowledge is from YouTube, I figure again, how hard can it be? Um, that car is horrible. Um, I hate it. It leaks <laughs> to this day. I think it still leaks all over my <laughs> in my garage. You know, we we took two E30s. We took a '88, '89. One of them was a thing poop and kind of you know squished together, made one running car. But you know, along I think we started this in 2018, I think is when we bought the first car. Uh, and then we bought a parts car and it sat on blocks behind my house um, for a good eight to 10 months before my wife figured out it was there. Um, so that was not awesome when she found that out. Um, you know, we had to, we basically. Did, so, so what was the story that you told her when uh, she found that car there? She's like, hey, somebody dumped a car on our property. Like, what's going on? One of the horses is, was kicking it or something. Well, it was actually it was And it was those little uh, those little concrete you get from Lowe's to, like, do around, um, like, your, the, the beds in front of your. We had a couple extra of those. Wait, uh, a couple extra. What were they? Sorry, you cut out for a second. These are like the concrete blocks that um, used as like edges for flower beds. Okay. You stack a couple of them up. It's enough to get an E30 off the ground. And, you know, that was the parts car. And so as the one that the car that we bought to build didn't have all parts with it. Mm -hmm. We need a car for all the little nuts and bolts and, um, yeah, that was on blocks in the backyard. But, I mean, we, we replaced every bushing and every hose and every gasket. Yeah. That The only thing we didn't do to it was rebuild the motor and transmission. Mm -hmm. And that motor was on stand in my garage for probably three years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, we started in, like, 2018 and then 2019. You know, he got 
So he had a bunch of time that was, you know, spent getting ready for the wedding. And then 2020, like we had a kid and there was this thing called COVID. Yeah. It was a really long time in, in the build. But I mean, every time I would go out in the garage to do anything, the thing had puked more coolant. <laughs> it was like the engine, drain the oil, drain the coolant before you pull it out of the car, put it on the and like rotate it this way, rotate other way, get everything out of there, and it's still. I like I I tell my buddy Jay, you know, if BMW could actually build a car that, <laughs> that, that like they would have won the war. Like, <laughs> if they if built a car that couldn't leak, they would have won the war. Yeah, coming from thousand that has, you know. There's an upper radiator hose and a lower radiator. Going to an E30 that has like seven different radiator hoses. Uh, well, I mean, look, I, I've I just don't get it, and so all things technical, I leave up to him because he's taken his apart and put it back together many, many times. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't like wrenching on the car, so mm-hmm. I want to just drive it. So a BMW is just perfect for you, it sounds like. No. And so, you know, I'm spoiled by the Honda. And, and again, I think the S2000 in particular, because it was designed, and again, none of this is by design, right? Mm-hmm. But on my part, but the S2000, I think, is just a really well-engineered car, and you can run the crap out of it. You know, for a long time, and it's like super simple. You know, the hood is a mile long. You pop the hood; you can literally see anything and everything, as long as you're not trying to change the clutch. It's fine. And then you go, you know, to these other platforms, and it's like none of this makes any sense. This is dude. Not- I I cannot agree with you more, and it's um that reason why I ended up getting a Lexus um, GX470 to be a tow vehicle because I'm like, dude, I'm not going to buy Torx bolts, like uh, Torx or reverse Torx. I refuse to do that. Like, this is dumb. I don't believe in those cars with wheel bolts. Um, You can just keep those to yourself and then I'll keep working on cars that make sense where, you know, I I know that I need a 10, a 12, a 14, a 19, maybe a 17 if you're working on some suspension or steering rack stuff and if, that's right and if you need to take uh headlights or tail lights off they're probably going to be one uh for the tail lights probably eight millimeters and you're done no right. specialty tools oh my god i remember working on my fiance's then uh mini cooper and I wanted to do like a simple thing of uh, draining the oil, uh, the brake fluid. And I couldn't get the freaking, um, what was it, the like little filter they have on the brake fluid reservoir out. It was just like sealed and part of it. I feel like with BMW and most of the German cars that I've bumped into, if they could make something more complicated, it will be. It yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's a conspiracy to sell more parts and yeah. service the dealership because, you know, like I said, I had that BMW 335, so much fun to drive. 
you know, it's a four door six speed M sport, like super nice. I bought it used because I'm cheap like that. And it was nothing wrong with that. That's, that's what I do. Um, you know, before that, um, you know, a couple of years prior at a, an AMG Mercedes, I had it, the C32. Damn, ballin'. It's the C. Yeah, bought that one used too. Okay. And, you know, but same sort of thing, right? Like that car, for whatever reason, the radiator air cooler setup uses the same, like the same physical part. It's just like somehow separated from within or, or something crazy like that. And something it was like, overcomplicated. Something incredibly complicated. And like that part had a failure and it was like, uh, Hey, this is going to be a $5,500 bill. Jesus. Like, no, thank you. I, <laughs> uh, and so, I mean, I think, I think that's just the, the German way of doing. <laughs> yeah. It, I look at the S2000 that makes, you know, 120 hour per liter stock. You know, you get these aftermarket companies that like legit, real companies making quality parts and they can't improve over like the stock exhaust manifold. The only thing you get is, yeah, that header's lighter. Yeah. That's it. You're not going to pick up any power. You know, I, I picked up the most power on the two from changing the VTEC crossover. But mine's like, Mine's like 3,800 RPM, and anytime it's like 40% or higher throttle, which basically means it's always on the hot cams. And that's it. You know, you pick up 24, 25 wheel horsepower, you know, in the mid range, and that makes a big difference. But outside of that, I mean, it's like that. I mean, I, I don't even like changing brake pads. That's true. I, I don't even want to do it in the comfort of my own garage, much mm. less in the dirt. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely feel you on that. And so now, now that we've been talking about this um, being cost effective, because I don't know, I think in my region, I'm probably one of the more cost effective people out there. Like in terms of, I mean, I drove my wheel to wheel car um, to the track. Uh, for competitions, um, and actually had it carb legal um, and insured, so it, it was a street legal vehicle. AAA didn't know what they were doing, but um, you know I was able to get it through. And you know, I think eighty percent of what my car has is all used Facebook Marketplace stuff, from the coilovers to random spare parts to. A spare engine that I bought. Um, very few things I've actually found out there. So I want to hear what's the best deal you got in terms of like money savings uh, for your S2000 build? Um, probably the coilovers that are on. I, I bought a, early on, I bought a set of KWV3s um, off of probably Facebook or S2KI mm-hmm. or the, the inner, the internet. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I ran that for a while and 
mean, they were good. They were certainly an upgrade over stock. Um, had some help tuning the suspension because, again, I, you know, mm-hmm. early on didn't know much about that. Um, and this guy, Win Subong Sen, who hasn't been out in a number of years, but um, is a really, really fast time trialer. Mm-hmm. Um, he helped me with some setup stuff in exchange for uh, me helping him with some coaching okay. at VIR. And that worked great for a while. And then I got somebody that reached out with an offer, you know, kind of facetiously um, for a set of the Olin's DFV. Damn. That are, you know, I mean, they're like 1800 bucks, 1800 bucks plus new. Um, so I bought a set of used DFVs off him for a thousand bucks. Shit. Turned around and sold the KWV3s locally to some street, you know, some guy who was driving his S2000 on the street Mm -hmm. for basically the same thing. So I, you know, I bought some V3s. So so you ended up going up on on coilovers and essentially saving the the money. For free. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, that was probably the the, the best. Um, you know, I, I think you know in terms of recent upgrades that I've actually paid money for. Mm-hmm. You know, I did the big brake kits front and rear, front and rear. You know, for the longest time. I mean, the S two thousand brakes are pretty good ways. Um, they just are notorious for cracking rotors. Brake. Yeah, the front rotors. You know, even even with brake with bathing them, I mean, I got to a point where I was cracking a rotor every. And, and again, going back to that, I kind of late, that was a lot of work between sessions. Um, and the parts were hot, and I really didn't feel like doing that. It's track. And so uh, of course, you, you have those really fun uh, Phillip head uh, screw, uh, screw bolts that go onto the rotor. Those are never oh, seized yeah. on, right? Yeah, well, I never used them. Yeah, that's um, the smart man. You get rid of those, those are the first thing you throw away. Yeah. And so for a long time, I ran on, on two-piece rotors in the front, okay. um, you know, which was great. You know, I, I'd get a little bit of aid in, a, in a, an individual braking zone, but not brake fade corner after corner after corner. Um, and so you could drive around that totally fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the best actual performance upgrade i've done recently is i did the big brake kits front and rear um uh stop tech ones or which one ap racing um, they're, they're the ones that the circle track the three eighths mile nascar guys damn uh, run and again like we're in nascar country so, yeah that makes sense know, from my house you know i can go get new rotor rings for 50 bucks a piece uh, okay now i'm jealous and they're they're big i mean there's like 338 millimeter runs i think i think they're 338 um the rear i did a big brake kit in the rear using a full two-piece like 314 millimeter rotor so the rears are now runs um, 
which of course necessitated new wheels to fit over the brakes, which necessitated uh, 30 millimeter over fenders in the front and some eBay flares in the rear. All of this at the same time when I was wrapping the car. So this was like, a, a, a if you're going to make a bunch of bad decisions, make them all at once. Awesome. Uh, awesome advice. And then Danny with G-Lock, um, the brake company, Danny lives like five minutes away from me. Oh, wow. So when I was done doing all this stuff, I, you know, I texted him and said, hey, here, here's the car. Here's what it weighs. Here's the power it makes. Here's the brakes I put on it. Tire runs, you know. I I want to I want to try some of your stuff again because I'd been running hot pads yeah. forever. It's free. Um, and you know, so I talked to Danny and I I said, hey, what you know, what should I run? And his first reaction was, you did what? Um, and then <laughs> taking a recommendation, and I mean, not running very aggressive pads um but the braking is so much different there's zero fade i would hope so with that setup if you had fade i'd be very upset it's it's is overkill yeah overkill. you know but that you know i mean if i'm gonna do you know i'm gonna prioritize stuff on the car I'm going to prioritize like safety and brakes. That's fair. Right? That's fair. You know, when I was, when I was instructing, um, right seat in the car. Oh yeah. I mean, l- l- you know. we don't, we don't even have to go that far into it. I mean, everybody builds power into their cars, but very few people are like, yeah, here's my stock car with really good brakes yeah. and really good tires. And you're like, Oh, awesome. I'm not going to feel terrified as we're going into this braking zone. Well, yeah, that, that's the thing, right? You always get the people that are like, Oh, I built this 600 wheel horsepower. Oh boy. That's terrifying. It's like, well, I, you know, quite frankly, I don't care how fast it goes. I care how fast it can stop. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's point one. Um, but yeah, I mean, so if I'm, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to go overkill. I'm going to go overkill on safety and I'm going to go over on break because I'd like to be able to stop (laughs) or that feels like a pretty important thing. Uh, But that I think was a really, a really good, really good upgrade. I mean, it wasn't cheap, you know, again, I, I look at some of the H2 cars, and it seems like every H2 car, H2, I feel like, is, is what H1 was intended to be years mm. ago. You know, like everybody's got motor swaps. Everybody's got big brake kits. Everybody's mm-hmm. got, you know, but doing a, doing a big brake kit, two car is like, let's buy some wheel woods and they're going to fit in the stock wheels or the, the wheels you're already running. Mm-hmm. But downside of the S2000 is just based on you know the suspension design you gotta have crazy low offset wheels yeah to clear any type of brake kit so it's like well i want big brakes well okay buy the brake buy the wheels buy fenders buy over fenders for the rear cut the quarters 
Oh, and while you're at car, because that's a that's the icing on the top of a bunch of bad decisions. Yeah, of course. So, Stephen, I can't thank you enough for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate um, having you know to touch on a little bit of what Southeast has been doing and a little bit of your story and. I'm super excited to hopefully see you at a pit race next year. And, you know, I don't know what's going on over there in Southeast, but you guys have the S2000 game on lock. And I think, at least in my opinion, in wheel-to-wheel, you guys have probably some of the, like, at eight, what was it last time, uh, eight S2000s racing? I think that's the most for wheel-to-wheel competition that I've heard of. And I, we've got you know, the one guy that blew the diff. We moved his registration to January, so he's going to go to school in January. So you're um, going to get nine. We'll have nine. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, Jacob, again, uh, pushing. That's U-S-H-I-N-G. Um, yeah, so Jake, if you're listening, um, you should just build that S2000 like Boston just did. There you uh, go. You know, January, Roebling, make it happen. I might actually help. I'll at least come over and drink your beer. There you go. You know, watch work. Um, But, yeah, I mean, we're we're potentially going to have, you know, double-digit 2000s in H1 in 20. Man, uh, I mean, there's nothing else that I could say about that than – fuck you guys are doing good out there i mean in that sense i'm i don't know it, it, it's just weird uh to me because i i see s2000s a lot in socal and you know knowing the people from northeast knowing the people from uh mid-atlantic you see um the cars that they favor and then um you know you guys are in your own like little special group that you guys have the s2000s out there and i mean it's it's kind of rare to see um, that uh, chassis being pushed unless it's like a, like a spec uh, series. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just like it's I, – I can't imagine it being um, – like I can't imagine seeing like one specific chassis pulling up in one, uh, in one group. Um, it, it, it just uh, – it just seems weird, especially with um, all of the availability of all the other stuff. I, I don't know. It's it's really interesting what you guys do out there, and I'm really impressed uh, with the ship that you guys are running over there. And um, I'm excited to to learn more about you guys and uh, start doing little updates from you guys. And yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you're coming away, let me know. We'll uh, we'll make space for you, and we'll we'll feed you and fly you with. Try and get you to commit to going in the car. Oh, I'm sorry. What was that? Anytime you want to come out uh, to the East Coast, you know, come to one of these events. We'll we'll make some space in the paddock. We'll ply you with alcohol, and oh. we'll try to build an H1 car. Oh. Uh. <laughs> That that's amazing. For for some reason, like it, the audio cut out, and I could have sworn I heard you say moose soup, and I was like, "Wait, what?" So I'm sorry. That was weird. <laughs> no, 
All right. Well, Stephen, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. Um, you know, this is a passion project for me. And to have people come on and share their stories, uh, I really do appreciate that. And, um, you know, um, if you have any other shout outs, go ahead and shout people out or call people out for uh, bets that you guys are running. I mean, I, I feel like I've probably, I'm approaching double digits, so I probably stop while I'm ahead. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Maybe next time. Yeah, next time. Definitely next time. All right. And with that uh, being said, um, I will see you guys uh, next month. Uh, thank you. Thank you.